Welcome to episode 198 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord, and I forgot to write a monologue this week, slash we have far too much to talk about, so fuck it. And I'm Cameron Dexter. <laughs> Man, do I feel good starting this episode. <laughs> I forgot that hey, that was a thing I had to do. That's all right. You know, like, like you said, these are, we're in it right now yeah that's the thing and we're we're in it we're recording this day of fandom so we have a little bit of news to cover which we don't often do so we have a lot to get to so we're gonna cut out my normal bullshittery up at the top and just get straight into the meat of it yes this is not per my request you you (laughs) you you openly admitted this is not for me this has nothing to do with the fact that cameron has taken control of my remote detonator and is now threatening to blow up my brain if i keep doing these monologues yeah so. It's amazing how powerful these bombs are. They're really, really potent. Yeah. Fuck you up. So. Much like a laser in the sky. Exactly. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, we do have a little bit to talk about in Phantom. Obviously, there's lots of stuff going on. I haven't checked in in a few hours. So maybe there's more stuff to cover. Um, at a minimum, we're going to talk about the two Batman movie trailers that yes. came out today. because Minutes the, ago. The Flash movie. It's a Flash movie. It's a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, which of these two do you want to start off with, Cameron? Let's let's start with Flash. Okay, because it was shorter, easier to digest. Yes, and no necks. Yes, uh, it is basically a Batman movie. I mean, the only, well, I think the most of the dialogue in it is from Michael Keaton talking to presumably Barry. Um, most of the shots seem to be taking place in the '89 universe. We even get a little bit of the '89 theme in there. We don't mm-hmm. get like a full clear body shot of keaton in suit but we do of course get the cowl we get a look at the bat cave which looks really good yeah bat cave looks good we get a shot of the 89 batmobile under a tarp oh i didn't notice that very final shot is barry standing next to a tarp and it's there for like a half not even half a second like matter of frames and i finally got to pause long enough to look <laughs> and like oh that's clue of the outline of the 89 batmobile which if i may is very interesting considering that that batmobile was kind of destroyed in batman returns do we know this is after? Oh, yeah, we have to know, yeah, because it's, it's older Keaton. Yeah, it's much yeah, older. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, he had plenty of time to rebuild it. Yeah, and even then, I say it was mostly destroyed. Like, we do see him repairing it afterwards, and most of the stuff that got discarded when he bat-missled it is back on the car anyways. So, it's yeah. basically back what it is. Um, how did you feel about this, this little teaser overall? I, oh, man, how did I feel? <laughs> <laughs> A question you were not prepared for <laughs> at all. Um, it, it, I feel like I came in with the same energy that Ezra Miller came in when (laughs) announcing this trailer was he was so, he came in with the energy of flash fans, the flash fans have had for the past four years. Okay. Uh, He's just like, here's the thing. We're going to get through this together and it's, it's going to be a team effort. And that's kind of how I feel going into this. It's just like, we're here. It's here. It's here. And and I guess we're I guess we're going to start getting through it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I did come out of it excited. OK, um, I think the Flash suit is both an improvement on the one in the Just League movie and also terrible. Yep. At the same time, um, which I, is frustrating because the Flash series suit is like fine. Yeah, I know. They did. It's it's asinine. Uh, it. It looks good from what's in there. I mean, I think it says a lot about the fact that Warner Brothers has really 
primarily made this trailer just about Batman again. So I remind everyone, like, hey, like, 89 Batman is back. Mm-hmm. Which I guess you actually wouldn't explicitly know if you didn't know that going into the trailer. Because there's, like, there's no shot of Keaton. There's no shot of the iconic suit or the symbol or even of the Batmobile itself uncovered. Yeah. So with that, I was having this thought of, like, how does a casual fan get into this trailer? Like, you wouldn't understand anything of, like... A casual fan wouldn't... I don't think you would immediately recognize that that is Michael Keaton talking. Yeah. Um, You see the silhouette, and you're like, I kind of remember that. It's from one of the 90s Batman. You just know it's Batman. Yeah. But you wouldn't know specifically that it's Keaton. Yeah, it's, you know, Flash, you know, uh, Barry going to, like, touch a woman from behind. His mom, presumably. Yeah, well, we know that. But as a casual fan, like, what is... You that's don't know anything point. that's going on. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, I I guess the trailer sets up that it's, like, him changing history. I think they say that in the dialogue somewhere. But, again, like, we know a lot going into this that a lot of people wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a really good point. Like, I guess it's really just meant for – it's just meant for the fans, Cameron. Like, the whole movie right. is just – It is fandom. It's just really for the fans Yeah. at the end of the day. At the end of the day, DC cares about the fans. Just all they really care about is the fans. Yep. Um, that's what we've been saying for years, folks. Yeah, I mean, look – there's some interesting stuff in there. Obviously, like the teases we get of 89 Batman look good. We get two berries mm-hmm. working together, presumably. Uh, we get a very brief shot of those two berries standing next to Supergirl. Yep, who I thought was a third Flash. Exactly, because it's so quick you wouldn't know otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I look, I always want these things to be good. So do we. So, yes, so do I. Yeah, we always want these things to be good. I don't know if it's actually going to be good or not. Um, but it is certainly interesting. So I had a question for you. Yes. Mr. Score. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, the music man, the, the music maestro. The music maestro, is, yes. As we call you, refer to you as all the time. Mm-hmm. When is the last time we had a new superhero theme song? Just kind of period. Or question mark, I guess. Um, well, through... Uh, I mean, Wonder you're, Woman kind of. Had I was gonna a say, do you one. want? Are we talking just DC? Just DC? Uh, yeah, probably just DC. Okay, because like obviously Marvel has introduced. Okay, let me try to do this as simply as possible. <laughs> Marvel. Let's do a quick little tangent. Marvel is not known for its themes. Right. Like, if you were to challenge anyone to, like, whistle or hum a theme from a Marvel movie, probably the only one they could do is the Avengers, which is one of the only ones that actually recurs. I could hear. The Captain America one. Yeah. Because that, I feel like, is the most distinct of any of them. Uh, yeah, the Captain America one, it. like, does kind of come back a little bit here and there. Um, I think the Ant-Man one does recur in his second movie. Iron Man never has a consistent theme. They, they keep changing it up. Yep. Between the three movies. Um, Same with Thor. Yeah, exactly. And all the, a lot of the other heroes have only had one-off film. So the, the only, like, real substantial theme come out of Marvel is the Avengers. Oh, I, I were completely ignoring WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's yeah, a little that's, bit different. different yeah, yeah. Those are like, like fun little, little tunes on the DC front. The Wonder Woman theme is mm-hmm. definitely new and pretty iconic. Um, there is the man of steel theme from Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty solid. All things considered. It's not as good. I'll have to, I'll John have to Williams. listen to it again. Yeah. yeah, not as good as John Williams. It's pretty solid. Um, I guess there is kind of a Batman theme in Batman vs Superman. But I feel like for it to really be a theme, it has to keep recurring. You think of, like, obviously the number of themes from Star Wars, the 89 Batman theme, even the Joel Shearer Arkham movies have, uh, like, an overture, a theme to them. 
Um, the Dark Knight trilogy has a loose theme of sorts, just a bunch of like thumping. Um, so, I mean, I, I would say the one that's like actually on the DC front, the last theme they had that really kind of penetrated the zeitgeist in any sort of way would be the Wonder Woman theme with the electric cello, which I fucking love. Yeah, it's great. I, I love, a lot of people don't. I really, really enjoy it. Um, but I think that's kind of it. I mean, I, I assume there was a theme in Shazam, but I don't remember what it would have yeah, been. I don't remember it. There may have been a theme from Aquaman, but again, I don't remember it as being distinct. But in terms of the theme that actually, like, people, you could, like, play and people would recognize, I'd say the most recent one would probably be Wonder Woman. Okay. So. Yeah, I feel like with Flash, that's something you have to nail. Because, like, I know you haven't seen it, but I, I don't remember Green Lantern having one either. I don't know. Not that, I, not that I'm aware of, at yeah. least. So. Yeah, because, like, being part of, the, you know, the core... DC members like that is something I feel like they need to land if they need uh, if the movie needs to land the score needs to also land yeah and that and that is one thing that I think DC has made a serious misstep on is feeling like they can't keep those themes going even into the reboot like you know uh, again I've found a way to shoehorn this into Bond but like Bond what James Bond oh thank Bond, you James Bond very smartly chemistry over here. Yeah. <laughs> Ionic <laughs> bonds, covalent bonds. Bond was really smart in Casino Royale holding off the theme to the very end, but it still brought it back around. Mm-hmm. And even in the trailer, it used the bond theme. Like it's like, no, this is still the bond theme. We're going to use the bond theme. I think I understand why they didn't bring the Burton theme back around for the dark Knight. It's a very different style of film, but I think in particular, it was kind of a misstep on their part to not keep the Superman theme. Totally. It's very different than man of steel, which is just, further highlights how man of steel is very totally off for that character. Um, what I think is very interesting is other DC films that reference Superman. So for example, um, teen Titans go to the movies or even the Lego Batman movie. When we see Superman, they're playing the John Williams theme. Right. So like other DC things still treat that as like the Superman theme, but the movie itself didn't. Right, and that that's that's why the I had the questions because like yeah. cause they use the Batman, you know, the eighty nine Batman overture, but it makes more sense since this is eighty nine Batman. Well, what's interesting is they don't even get into like the iconic Batman eighty nine overture. They play like one of the um like kind of more quiet background pieces. Right, because from it's for that the fans. film, it's just for the fans. Because it's for the fans. It's for the nerd score people like me. <laughs> Um, but yes, the long answer to your short question was the last iconic theme was Wonder Woman. And I agree. They really have to nail something with the flash, but I also don't know if that's a priority for the filmmakers just across the board. Now, I don't think they're super concerned with themes as much as they used to be. I, th- I think the, sh- the score kind of disappears and everything else. I mean, like guardians of the galaxy has like a, a recurring theme too, as well. But yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's just not what it used to be in a lot of ways, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's a shame. Um, but speaking of themes, mm-hmm. can we oh, talk- one last thing on flash. Yes. I, I think the reason I was a little disappointed with this one is he doesn't give a single quip. I, I needed one joke out of Ezra Miller. That, oh, I mean, <laughs> probably the only we, joke that'll we, be in the movie. <laughs> we might be better off without some Ezra Miller jokes. Cause they were not particularly good. The times we've gotten them. I know, but like it's flash. I just need, I need a joke from flash where he makes fun of Batman for not being able to turn his neck. I just need that one punch, and then I'll be content. He's too busy talking about brunch. I know he is. To get into the bat cowl of it all. Yeah. Then I, get, let the other Flash do it. Yeah. I, look, I still think Ezra Miller is drastically and horrifically miscast in that role, but He's so whatever. defeated when introducing the movie. It's, I, it hurt to watch. I don't. I, I didn't even bother watching that. I just watched the trailer. I don't blame him. 
Um, okay, so that we're going to cover The Flash, and then let's talk about the Batman trailer. Okay. Very, very briefly here. So yes. what I, my segue was going to be, speaking of themes, like we do get a hint of the Giacchino Batman theme, which we also got a little bit of a tease of in the last trailer, and Giacchino like, put out a little piece of it at one point. Like that very first look at the um, Robert Pattinson bat suit incorporated a bit of his theme, which sounds pretty cool. I'm excited for it. Um, uh, what did you think about this one? Cameron, I like everyone except Batman. Really? What what's not working for you? He feels like an uh, like a bad midpoint between Nolan and Batfleck. Okay. And I don't think he's found himself and then especially when he's Bruce, I don't like we like I want to see suave Bruce at least once. And this yeah. in this trailer we only get disheveled Bruce. Yeah. You're not wrong there. My 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 one big complaint about what I've seen from this movie so far is that I'm tired of every Batman film director having to outgritty the previous one. Yes. And I think this the, color palette is just red and yellow. It's and black. Like, yeah, like the color palette in this is just like everything's gray and black and brown and then like clearly they're they're throwing in pops of color, which in its own way, it's kind of a comic booky thing. I, I just reread um, The Long Halloween, and there is kind of an element to that comic, a little bit of that. Like, a lot of the color palettes kind of drab with, like, splashes of color. Now, the difference is the splashes of color in that are coming from the colorful costumes, whereas this, everything is just very, very, like, black and gray. I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I think that the the aesthetic is going to work for the story they're telling, I think my frustration on this is that I still really wish we had gotten at some point a bat family movie because that's the one thing that hasn't been done yet. They kind of tiptoed towards it with Batman and Robin did not do it very well. And we've, excuse me, sorry. They executed wonderfully. They did not (laughs) tell the story. Well, (laughs) we could go on about that in a very different show, but like, that hasn't been done yet, really. And I think that's maybe the greatest missed opportunity of what was the DCAU, which the DCEU, which is ambiguous in its existence at this point. But like we had that potential. Now, mm-hmm. it would have been fucked up in the hands of Snyder. I'm just going to say it. But we had the potential. And they ignored it. So I'm not super thrilled for yet another young, new Batman Batman. That being said... There are a lot of things we really like about this. Okay. Um, I, I think it does look good despite it's being drab. It looks fucking brutal. I think that's kind of the thing I'm not feeling for right now. See, I'm kind of into it in a weird way. Like, I so I'm actually, um, I'll get to it in plugs. But I just watched uh, the animated Long Halloween adaptation, both parts. Oh, okay. It's really good. I'll get into it more down the line. But it made me go back and reread. The comic of year one, Long Halloween and Dark Victory. And that then made me go start rewatching Batman Begins about halfway through at this point. And I, I fucking love that movie. I stand that's the best live action Batman movie ever made. My one big complaint about it is that it has that very born supremacy chopping fight editing. That means you never see any of the choreography around it. We never actually get a chance to see the Batman's great fighter because it's constantly cutting back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it kind of pains me that to this day, the best Batman fight sequence comes from fucking Batman versus Superman, which that one warehouse fight is really good, even if he's fucking murdering people while he's doing it. 
So I'm kind of excited for a movie that actually lets us see how competent of a fighter Batman is. That being said, this version of Batman is fucking brutal. But like the trailer even goes out of its way to point out like people react to that. Like we see Selena Kyle being like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Is he beating the shit out of somebody? So if it does something meaningful with its violence and actually kind of acknowledges that it's a bit too far, I think it's okay in a way that Snyder just glorified all of it. Yes. So I'm kind of on board for that. This Batman feels very unhinged. Yes. In comparison to every other Batman we've had. He really does. Yeah. And like, I'm this one, curious. Of any of them needs to talk to somebody. He really needs a therapist. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about this more than anything else. Like it, it's, it's a very exciting trailer. There's a lot of action in it. Like there's a lot of really gorgeous shots at that final shot of Batman, like walking through the flames towards the penguins inverted car. Like it looks great. I, I, I don't, he honestly, this trailer made me think Batman is a villain in this movie. I mean, I think he kind of is though. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, there, there was a, a video essay we both watched a couple of years ago and it's something that's kind of stuck in the back of my head that Batman has always been known as the world's greatest detective mm-hmm. and not a single Batman movie has had him be a detective. So the reports about this movie from the creatives that it's going to heavily focus on the detective element. So if that is true, if they're going for like a really gritty noir, I get where they're going with it. And I hope that it actually does do the detective stuff. That being said, you could have done that without it being like a young Batman again. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I want a moment where you see him like thinking because we <laughs> have it. Batman hasn't thought <laughs> in yeah. three decades. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, hey, he he took fingerprints off a bullet in the Dark Knight. He did do that. So yeah, just fucking asinine. I I don't know. I that is I, a good sequence. I do like that sequence. Yeah, it's okay when he's when he's testing all the bullets. It's okay. And then Alfred gives that great monologue. He's. I mean, Alfred always has great monologues in those mm-hmm. movies. He's, Some he, people just want to watch the world burn. He's man. the heart of that franchise. Just like Batman. Just like this Batman in particular. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by it and there were some things in there that got me pretty excited i am very excited for zoe kravitz Selena Kyle. she looks great I, I think she's kind of like the single standout piece in there i mean we get little bits of paul dano as a riddler very very briefly kind of obliquely um we get quite a bit of colin farrell's oswald Kyle pot i don't know if anyone actually calls him the penguin or I, not in this. I dig it i dig colin i do farrell too the makeup yeah i i like i love colin farrell and he's just like clearly going weird on this one which is kind of interesting so you know, and you know, along these lines, we recently got um, photos of the Lego sets that are coming out from these movies. Now, mm. always worth taking a Lego set with a grain of salt because usually it's based off of really, really early production decisions. So a lot of times it doesn't actually reflect what's going to be in the final movie. Uh, like a lot of the Marvel sets, to see examples of that. Yes. What I will say is the sets came out. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy all these, obviously. However, it's so drab. All those sets are just made of like gray and black and tan pieces. Great. And of course I'm going to buy the Batmobile because I have like a Lego Batmobile fleet. Um, so I must have all of them. Mm-hmm. You make them race in your free time. I absolutely do. A little, you, you try and hide the track, but I see it. You see it. I see the track marks. You just see the patterns in the carpet. <laughs> um, so I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy them, but it, it, it's, I don't know if this movie's going to be fun. And to be fair, Matt Reeves, his two Planet of the Apes movies are excellent. They are. Excellent. But also, like, I will never rewatch them. I, I think we've had that conversation yeah. before. It's the best trilogy we're never going to rewatch. Exactly. The best trilogy that I'm probably never going to revisit because they're excellent films that have no rewatchability factor whatsoever. And I think this... They just is, make you sad. 
They do just like, make you each sad. Each one just makes you more sad. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that I think this is gonna be really sad and really drab. And I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but I do like I would love to like pop into the parallel universe to see what Ben Affleck's Batman movie would have been like. Okay. I am very curious about that because I still maintain that he's not the problem. Zack Snyder was the problem. Slash Warner Brothers was the problem. Mm-hmm. It made him get that horrible tattoo. Yeah, poor Ben Affleck. Yeah. I mean, poor Ben Affleck. He's been fine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's like one of those things. I'm excited about this movie, but if I think about it a lot, I'm like, eh. yeah. I mean, you, you know, the parallel universe that I want to jump into. The one where in 2008, Speed Racer made more money than Dark Knight, and that dictated the future of Hollywood instead of Dark Knight. Oh and we'd be in this world where everything would be super oversaturated. That's what I want. It'd be very colorful. It'd be very colorful. Very, very colorful, and far too much Jim Jim. Um, okay. Jim Jim. Yeah, I mean, obviously, lots of other stuff came out of Fandome. Like, we got a very brief tease of Harley Quinn Season 3. The um, Suicide Squad kills a Justice League video game. Uh, I think uh, What's-His-Face... Shazam villain Black Oh Black Adam Black we got Adam we got a first look something. at back Black yeah. Adam the Peacemaker trailer which looked fun mm-hmm. um Milestone announced they're going to do an animated movie set in the universe which is exciting Ooh. um we got the Gotham Knights Court of Owls story trailer Young Justice Phantoms probably the first two episodes oh, are up a- online Oh they're already up online haven't had a chance to watch them yet So like a lot of stuff has come out more stuff I'm sure will come out post recording obviously the batman stuff is kind of the biggest stuff to talk about so we're gonna talk about it but there's a lot of other stuff we're just not gonna cover here yeah other more competent people will cover that for us yeah and and like we said it's literally happening as we're recording right now yeah exactly we we are minutes out of the batman podcast the batman trailer coming yeah out. like if i if i open here what uh anything else nothing else big has come out looks okay. like well it's is it all weekend or is it just today? i think it's just today oh wow um yeah. Oh, also, one other thing worth acknowledging, they did give us a first look concept art at the Batgirl movie, which didn't show much. Ooh. All it did show us is that she's going to have a proper bat cow and red hair. Who's animating? Or, sorry, who's uh, directing this one? Because uh, it was Joss Whedon for a while. Do we have a director on this? I know Leslie Grace. Um, okay, here we go. Yeah, Le- Leslie Grace is Batgirl. Uh, Christina Hansen, who I believe co-wrote Birds of Prey, is the writer. Um, and then... Um, the oh, directors right. are uh, Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah, who I think did Bad Boys 3. Okay. I Okay, yeah, now I remember. That's a quick turnaround, because they. I remember when we announced Leslie Grace was Batwoman, or Batgirl, not that long ago. That was this year. Relatively recent, yeah. Which feels so fast for DC. Um, oh, yeah, it's the directors of Bad Boys for Life. Okay. Which apparently is actually pretty solid, that I haven't seen. Um, yes, we, we didn't get, like, any shots of her. We just got a concept art. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. But, but still, like... But, you know, I mean, it means... We've been waiting for any Flash footage for five years now. No, it's, 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 I mean, my one final thought on this, and this went way longer than I anticipated, but my one final thought on this is I will say, what fandom to me shows is that DC, though they're definitely struggling to keep up with Marvel in terms of, like, the cultural impact and zeitgeist-defining nature of the their major movies by not having one cohesive universe they're very diversified in terms of what they're making Mm -hmm. like you watch this and like oh aquaman too so like their movies are like all these weird like totally leaning into their own story things we're getting video game stuff we're getting animated movies we're getting animated tv shows we're getting comics announcements like i think their their spread of properties and how weird and fun they can make them is a little bit more diverse than marvel 
even though Marvel has definitely cornered the market in terms of like the big, big movies. Yes. And I would so. blame Disney for that instead of Marvel. Would you say blame or give credit to? Oh, blame in terms of not having the diversity of other stuff going yes. on. Yeah, I think that's yeah, because yeah. Disney notoriously hates video games because yeah. they don't know how to make them. Yeah, they, that's true. Yeah, we we don't have like I mean we're getting a um a Guardians of the Galaxy video game that I I don't maybe at it, some point yeah at some uh, point apparently that Avengers game was terrible I don't ever bother with it Spider Man game is good but that's Sony yeah exactly that's not that's it's not Marvel Sony. that's not Disney yeah so I mean I think there's a lot of really fun stuff to be excited about coming out of this, which is kind of cool. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they've revealed about the Caped Crusade or the new animated series from Bruce Tim, other than it's coming out in 2023. Oh, I didn't know about that. I'm yeah. sure we talked about it and I just forgot. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know what else would came out of that, if anything, but um, you know, obviously lots, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Yeah. So. I, I dig fandom. I dig the idea of fandom. Yeah. I am curious if it will always stay a virtual thing. I think it should. I think you probably should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they can really. I don't know if it would work in person. Yeah, a one day. Con- I mean, you could make you could stretch it to a weekend. Yeah, they might try. It'd be in LA probably, which is good for us. Hey, so, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. I mean, we'll be done with this podcast by the time that happens. But hey, you know. Yeah, whatever. but we're not going to be done being nerds when we're done That's with the podcast. <laughs> we could just, just go for the fun it. of it. I <laughs> yeah. suppose. I suppose we could. So, uh, anyways, we talked about that way longer than yes, I anticipated. Uh, but shall we get into our episodes this week? Let's finally? do it. I remember why we stopped doing news. <laughs> That's this is exactly why we stopped doing news. Uh, all right. So starting off with question authority, really getting into the Cadmus stuff here now. So, uh, when the question discovers footage of Justice Lord Superman killing his universe's President Luther. The question decides that it must be not a parallel universe, but actually a time loop. And so he decides he's going to go kill Luther before Superman can, which would then start the apocalypse. Uh, But question is captured by Cadmus, so Superman hunters team up to rescue him. So there's a lot that happens in this episode. There is. It's amazing. This is only 23 minutes. Yeah, they pack a lot of stuff into it. Um, I really like this episode. It's incredible. It's so good. Every beat is so important. I mean, like, the opening, I think, could be a little shorter. Their fight with Mantis? Mantis, yes. It's okay. Superman and Cats and Adam fighting Mantis. Yes, which is important because that leads into Captain Adam being recruited by General Anod Hardcastle. Eiling. Eiling. Yes, his uh, his commission in the Air Force is reinstated. Yes. Yes. Uh, which we don't disappears until the end of the episode. Yeah. That's just kind of a nugget for us. But it, it works. It does. Because when he shows at the very end there, you're like, oh, fuck. And then we also get the nuggets where Superman and Lois go on a date. Yeah. And Lois is kind of preaching the same stuff Batman's been preaching, which is like Cadmus isn't fully wrong. Yeah. You guys are a little out of control right now. You guys are kind of Remember, scary. Superman, you destroyed a city. Yeah. He's like, but it was for the good. He's like, you destroyed a city, Superman. Yeah. I mean, she she calls it like it is. She's like, look. You remember how bad things got when you were, you know, brainwashed by Darkseid? And even that was a long time ago. People haven't forgotten about it. You and Captain Marvel just destroyed a city. And a lot of people, myself included, are kind of intimidated by you guys right now. Yeah. So the way you're talking sounds like how Lex is talking. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. She even points it out. It's like you kind of sound like Luther. Mm -hmm. And he kind of does at this point, which is the interesting thing. Like, what I think is so smart about how they handle this Cadmus arc is that at the end of the day, it's really grounded in character, mm-hmm. right? Like it's grounded. It really is a lot of it's built around Superman's ego specifically, but that ego kind of filling in for the broader ego of the justice league or just general meta beings to begin with. And even then, like, you know, obviously Amanda Waller is kind of leading Cadmus, but the focal point is Lex so they've kind of taken this, like, these two different sides, these two different, like, sides of the chessboard, 
and they have kind of just ultimately boiled it down to Superman versus Lex, which is really, really brilliant. And you just get so many characters along the periphery being like, this is fucked up. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to note in this episode and the next one, we don't see Batman. Ah, good point. I didn't think about that. Um, You're right. And I think that's important because we see how other people are adopting Batman's mentality. It's not just Batman that thinks Cadmus is doing something important. Yeah. It's like every non- Superman. Yeah, I mean, and this, who's not Superman? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like in this episode, Lois kind of takes a lot of those lines of dialogue. In the next episode, Green Arrow, mm-hmm. it's kind of the focal point of all of it. But they, they Flash are brings it up a lot. Yeah, they're not. The thing is, they're not wrong, and yeah. that's what makes it so compelling. You know, and and even when the question, so like he discovers this hard drive, or he he copies a bunch of data off of a, a Cadmus terminal on essentially a date with Huntress, which is a really fun... It's so fun. It's a really fun so because of him just, like, working on the computer and her just beating the shit out of a bunch of security guards and um, him be like, shush, I'm focusing right now. Um, they, again, I love their dynamic. I think it's super cute and super charming. And, like, you kind of see how it works in a really weird way. Like, he even says, like, you're just drawn to my eccentric charm. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, yeah, actually. Yeah. We kind of all are in a and way. Then she, she steals the hard drive from him. It's like, you can get this back after a date. Yeah, exactly. And I got so, that's so cute. It's, and again, like in those moments, they never shy away from the character of it all. So leaning into the character while setting up this very big kind of convoluted plot, actually. But so he goes through all this data. He sees footage that somehow they got, I guess, the Justice Lord Batman gave the Justice League footage of Superman murdering president lex in the oval office and so when he sees that he realizes or he he decides whether we know it's true or not he basically he sees the footage and he realizes that it's a time loop he decides it's a time loop which means that um it's not an alternate universe but like these events are coming to pass it's like, inevitable yeah luther will get elected president the flash will get killed superman will kill luther in retaliation a superhuman's arm race will get triggered and the whole thing will end in armageddon mm-hmm. the end of the fucking world it's inevitable and it's him. So it's a very extreme point of view, but also you kind of believe that it could be real. Like at the end of the day, a version of Superman, not dissimilar to our own killed a version of Lex Luthor, not dissimilar to our own. And question even says that like, if it's not exactly as it was in the universe, it's about to be. So, and he even brings up like, remember when you tried to, uh, lobotomize doomsday yeah just like the other superman and superman's response like that was different he's like is it how yeah is it really it's not like you guys are going here like you're doing these things you're tiptoeing closer and closer to where those other guys were it's a real surprise that this could be a reality in the future yeah just because it was his first option and your last option doesn't mean that it's like they're not that far apart yeah so the question basically just decides like the only thing that can be done here is that he's going to go kill Luther before Superman can, because he can take the fall and the league will basically be fine because he's like the weird quack, which is like, it's a weird thought, but it's on like, that's kind of a genius crazy man yeah. thought. I mean, that's the, the super fascinating about the question is like, he's irrational, mm-hmm. like in a weirdly like pseudo kind of irrational way. He thinks through what he's doing. Yeah, he makes sense. You just have to kind of like sift through a lot of the craziness around it. Yeah, I mean, like I always like to bring these episodes back to 
uh, episode one where Superman makes a speech of we're the people that have to that mm. have to make the final call and yeah. we have to be uh, we have to make that final sacrifice. Yeah. And this is questions moment. This is him making the sacrifice for the world. Yeah. And like, you can also understand how the league got here, right? Because the, the Thanagarian invasion was such a huge deal and everything came so close to ending. And the Thanagarians are able to wipe through all of earth's defenses and the league Right. So you kind of understand also why they bolstered the size of the league itself. Like, well, we're a much bigger, chunkier thing to try and take down. It'd be a lot harder. They state explicitly the reason they put the cannon onto the watchtower was so that something like that hyperspace bypass trying to be built on Earth, they could destroy it from orbit rather than having Batman have to try and fly the watchtower in to take it out himself. The battery in the sky. So, like, you also understand how the events of particularly the last season or uh, Just League's finale have built towards this happening. So it's all it's all very grounded in the actual events and characters of this universe, which I think is part of the reason it feels so palpable. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about it more in the next episode, but, like, it's basically a it's basically the Cold War again. Yeah, it is the Cold War between the U.S. and, I mean, Cad- Cadmus yeah. is being controlled by the U.S. government or who's controlling the U.S. government yeah. and the League. And it's it's just this who, they both have big bombs now. Yeah. And it's just who is going to drop the bomb first. Yeah. Who's going to strike first and what's going to be the fallout from it? Yeah. Everyone's going to die. Armageddon. Yeah. But what's also interesting is when Question goes to kill Luthor, um, like Luthor is able to best him because, as we see very early on in the episode, the kryptonite induced cancer that he's had through most of the justice league episodes that he wears that chess piece to keep at bay in a very iron man style way of approaching it um is gone like it's hamilton tells him like you have the body of a 20 year old the cancer not only is it in remission it's 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 gone like it was never there before there's no trace of it yeah we don't know what caused this it could be an unexpected side effect of the kryptonite poisoning itself but so he is now like he's not a full on meta, but he is stronger now than a normal person is basically what we learn. So he's able to just wipe the floor with the question. And he even says the whole presidential campaign is just a farce. I love that. It's a seventy five million dollar slap in the face of Superman. Exactly. He did it just to piss off Superman. And he even says, like, do you know how much power I'd have to give up to become president? Such a good line. And it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely true. Like, I mean, there are some very obvious real world comparisons you can draw from the last ooh, five years, but an unexpected one actually is Al Gore. So like Al Gore has Our favorite boy, good old Al Gore. He has even said, I mean, whether this is like him, like justifying the events, but he's basically said like in some ways him not becoming a uh, president was a blessing in disguise because he was then able to really focus purely on trying to address climate change and to do things that a president couldn't do because we'd be bound up in a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. It's like, there is something to that actually that you would have to, I mean, it's the most powerful job in the world, but also it does come with potentially other sacrifices. And Luther's like, why the hell would I ever give up anything else? This was just to piss off Superman and it's working. It's working so well. Yes. This is a PR nightmare for the league. Oh my God. It's an absolute mess. So then they're, they're torturing the question, but basically like forcing him to see like, 
like a montage of events in the future. So Luther getting elected, Luther pulling a shotgun and just shooting <laughs> yeah. the Flash, which is like kind of ridiculous and 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 kind of extreme. And his way of fighting back is to just keep spouting like crazy crackpot theories about like fluoride and boy bands and stuff like that. I I do need to know, and I need to Google this. Mm-hmm. What is the sinister purpose of aglets? Oh yeah, the the, the little <laughs> I have plastic. So thing many questions on yes. the end of shoelaces. Yes. What is the sinister purpose? I need to know. I could care less about any of the other theories you threw out there. Right. That's the one. That's the best one. It's the best one. What are, what are you talking about? What are these things? Oh, God. But yeah, so he he's captured. So Huntress uh, basically kidnaps Jimmy Olsen and uses his signal watch to like get Superman's attention. And they go in to get the question out of Cadmus. And there is when Superman realizes that Hamilton has been working with them all along. It was it was it was hard. That, that yeah. sucked. It's it's a really intense scene, um, and like I mean, Hamilton does not yield. Like Superman busts through the wall, and Hamilton's like, "They didn't recruit me. I went to them. Like you are dangerous. You I, scare me. Yeah, you scare me. I have seen the consequences of your wrath when you brought me Supergirl after you had like nearly killed her. Like you're dangerous. We need to stop you. And yeah, Cabinet is a bunch of like government." agents and thieves and criminals but they have one thing in common and it's standing between you and the league and the rest of the world she's like fuck i know man and and superman you has understand everyone's perspective like no you, one you is do. evil here yeah that that's exactly it and like superman has nothing to say he has no good retort nothing he could possibly say will change hamilton's mind he's basically like you're a traitor like you you've betrayed my trust and hamilton's response is just like chicken or the egg superman yeah yeah, and this is also when they realized that Hamilton cloned yeah, Supergirl. Exactly, Hamilton and made Galatea. Galatea. And I, I I love the moment when Superman leaves and then Hamilton just like collapses. Like it took every ounce of willpower and strength he had to do that. Yeah, how would you you can't backtalk Superman? Yeah. And unless you're Batman. Or Huntress. Or Huntress. Huntress is very good at which it. Which I, I love. I love that she's like not at all afraid to just like put Superman in his place. Yeah. Which is super fun. Put anyone in their place. Because even when she calls I guess this is next episode. Yeah. This is why it's so good, Chris, because it's two, it's a two-parter. It is. <laughs> it's Cameron's favorite episode already. I don't even have to pitch it. You don't even. They have already to. did it. They listened. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and one of the things I think is really interesting. It's a very small note, but as they're they're break they're busting their way through Cadmus, and again, Hunter is just like knocking the shit out of everyone. She's a fucking phenomenal fighter, and they animate her fighting really, really well. But when they actually go into the room where Question is being held prisoner, Superman does not walk in. He floats in. Oh, I didn't notice that. I think you had pointed that recently, right? Like, that's something that he does sometimes, is he's been floating a lot more rather than walking. Yeah, wait, who was the one that gave this? Is that next episode where they give the, the speech about you're looking down on us from a single sheet of paper? A single sheet of paper? Yeah, there was a great, I think it might have been Hamilton, or I don't remember who gives the mon- the, the monologue. But they're they're talking to Superman, and it's like you think you're better than us, but you're basically looking down on us from a single sheet of paper. I don't remember the paper part of it. That's interesting. Yeah, which I'm like, damn, that is. Oh, it might be a completely different show. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember the paper part of all of that. There's no, some, there's some good speeches here, but I don't remember anything about paper. No, sorry, it's uh, the book I'm listening to, that that I listened to it on the way over here. <laughs> just, yeah. Right. It's another, yeah, it's another Superman situation where it's a guy who has all the power, 
thinking that he's better than everyone else and another guy bring, coming in is like you're not yeah yeah you think you're looking down on us but you're like you're in the trenches with us yeah but i mean it, it does go to highlight how superior and otherworldly and inhuman superman is behaving now the fact that he doesn't even like make the effort to walk around mm-hmm. he just hovers around all the time like a god it's it's fantastic yes. i absolutely love this and like it's got maybe one of the best cliffhanger buttons in all oh. of dcau when they get out of the lab and they're getting ready to leave and they see captain adam and superman says okay you got our flank he's like no 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 you you misunderstand like i have been reinstated by the u.s air force and i'm here to stop you from getting the question out of here and he's like so how is this going to go down and his hands start glowing and then that's the button yeah man fuck so good it's Oh, this is brilliant, brilliant storytelling all the way through. That was 23 minutes. Yeah. That was so much stuff that happened. And uh, and a lot of it, but it never, it never feels boring or gratuitous or heavily expositional because it's still so based in character all the way through. Yeah. And, and, And again, you can, you can just see how at this point, like, yeah, this is a creative team. 10 years into their like cohesive creative powers and they are at their peak. Mm-hmm. It's Ugh. incredible. It's, it's amazing. Thank, thank God we got to immediately cover the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I, cause we, we talked about this briefly before, before uh, recording the next episode is called flashpoint. Mm-hmm. And we, as, as future men going back on past content, our idea of flashpoint is the flashpoint paradox. Right, yes. But this is six years before that comic started. Yes. So I was like, wait, why is it called Flashpoint? Because it really doesn't have a lot to do with the Flash. So I'm like, what does Flashpoint actually mean? So like any sort of shitty best man speech at a wedding, uh, let's start off with the definition of Flashpoint. Ah, lovely. (laughs) What is the definition of love, Chris? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, L is for the way you look at me. Ah. And O is for the only one I see. I'm going to stop there. I don't remember the rest of it. <laughs> v is very, very extraordinary. Oh, that's right. E is even more than anyone that you adore and love. That's that's impressive. I've watched The Parent Trap a lot. I It's, it's my new plane movie. It's a great plane movie. It's such a good plane yeah. movie. <laughs> if you need something to watch on a flight, download Parent Trap. It's just like so pure and nice mm-hmm. and easy. You know, great triple bill, the three best Lindsay Lohan movies. Parent Trap, Freaky Friday, Mean Girls. Great, great triple bill. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the uh, the early 2000s Kirsten Dunst satire trifecta. So that's, I don't know if it's the right order. Pleasantville? No, she wasn't Election? at Pleasantville. No, no. No, that's Reese Witherspoon. So it's um, I think Bring It On. Hell yeah. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Haven't seen. And Dick. Haven't seen. Both of those other two are great. Okay. Great films, highly recommend. But anyways, that aside. Um, but yes, yeah, so a flashpoint is a place, event, or time at which trouble such as violence or anger, flares up. And we are certainly there. We are 100% there. Because So what happens in this... B- before we before we jump, do you yes. want a palate cleanser just real quick Oh, of the random stuff yes, on the please, hard drive? Yes, please. Please do. G- give us what's going on on the, the Cadmus hard drive there, yes, the weird we, little details. We get a, a quick peek while, while the question is scrolling through mm-hmm. the, the hard drive. Uh, a couple of the things we kind of understand, temporal flux, overload, I don't know what that one really means, uh, multiverse Pandora project, which I, as I assume the thing that he opens, which is the, um, the footage. It's either that or the avatar world Pandora. 
That's right. Crossover. They could be very early into Pandora. Crossover event, yeah. Yeah, because, so, you know, there's a very close crossover between Bruce Timm and James Cameron. Yes, there's a subfolder called Unobtainium. Yep. Uh, the President Luther folder, which he opens, mm-hmm. which has a few interesting things in there. Uh, Shear Shop, I don't know about that one. I don't know what that is, yeah. Uh, Zarathustra is, I think, a very important one that I was able to find. Yeah, what is that, again? So Z- Zarathustra is a kind of... Uh, What's the word? Uh, so, so not sociological, not physiological. Uh, people that think are philosophers, uh, uh, philosophical. Philosophical? There's the word. Uh, story written by Nietzsche in the late 1880s. Uh, and it's about the place of God in society. And his argument is basically God is dead uh, and has no power over us anymore. It is humans that dictate all morals and status of man. Uh, and therefore, we don't need a God to dictate right and wrong. We no longer blame. We no longer have the ability to blame God for our values, judgments, and behaviors. Oh, okay. So basically, it is. I mean, it, it feels very accurate to what's happening between Luther and Superman. Yeah, that's fair. It yeah, is Cadmus. I mean, in Cadmus especially, Cadmus believes Superman is no longer needed. They don't need a God to dictate what is good and bad for them. They can do that for themselves. Oh, actually, you know, you know what the why also. Um, Zarathustra, Zarathustra, whatever, has another like prominent place in pop culture. Uh, the song or like the musical composition, also Sprach Zarathustra, Zarathustra, is the main theme from 2001: A Space Odyssey. Oh, that's interesting. So I guess there's also some thematic similarities there because the movie's fucking bonkers. But I guess it's to do with God and shit. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Gin Bottle. I guess they found a genie. Oh. Uh, Stratagem Five. Uh, Brazil Boys which I thought was an interesting one. It's a reference to a movie called The Boys from Brazil, which just came out in 1978, and it's about someone trying to clone the perfect Hitler. Oh, I think I saw a reference to this somewhere. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so he basically makes an army of Hitlers to create, like, the perfect, like, childhood to, like, kind of recreate the, the, yeah. the perfect version of him. Oh, very interesting. Which I think is, I feel like, an interesting comparison to, like, the Ultraman. Oh, yeah. Creating the, like ultimate soldier yeah um and then two others that, that don't really matter mm-hmm. uh but there's one in here i think they set this up and never really followed through with it uh but under president luther folder there's something called aztec a-s-t-a-z-t-e-c-h tech yeah. um and i guess this is more prominent in the comics but the hero aztec his armor is built and funded by LexCorp. oh mm-hmm. interesting and so what I think they could have done, and I think what they may have tried to start and this didn't follow through with, is that he was basically a Lex spy inside the Watchtower this oh, whole time. Oh, a double agent. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting. Which is then interesting because the immediate next scene is the first time we like prominently see Aztec in the show. Oh, I didn't think about that. But mm-hmm. I guess you're right. Oh, interesting. That could have been cool. That could have been really interesting. Yeah. Have a spy amongst the midst. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it would have been like, one too many steps. I'm Probably. happy they didn't follow through with it, but yeah. it's a cool thing to like tease if they did follow through. A little with idea it. that could have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, and then my last one, which I thought was cute, uh, Rushmore dash AL. It's probably a folder of him adding Alexander Luthor to Mount Rushmore. That's fantastic. Which again, Trump <laughs> just mimicking Lex Luthor whenever he gets the chance. My God. It, it like. Uh, I, <laughs> trying to think of the best way to phrase this it is a non-impactful tragedy amongst (laughs) the 
Trump presidency is that now it would be impossible to do a President Luther story in a Superman movie because it is nowhere near as insane as the reality. Yeah. Which is too bad because I think that's a really interesting dynamic that's been done well in the comics and in adaptations. And it would have been really cool to see it done in a live action movie. And it will probably never happen now. I know, it's, e- it's either going to lean to Trump or it's going to lean to Bezos. There's, yeah, I that's, think, that's I don't true. know if we can find a middle ground anymore. That's true. It's, yeah, it's, that's a very good point. It's hard to do a Lex Luthor story when we have real life Lex Luthor's running about all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the middle ground is Musk. That's that that's is the <laughs> A statement never uttered before. The middle ground is Musk. Yeah. But, oh, God. That is interesting, though. All the, all the weird things on the hard drive. Um, all right, so we get into like Flashpoint proper here. Let's do it. Let's all right run with it. All right, so in this episode, uh, while Huntress tries to escape Cadmus with Question in tow, Superman is forced to fight Captain Adam. Uh, after they escape, both sides enter a brief stalemate to evaluate options, but that is interrupted when Luther remote fires the Watchtower's orbital cannon on the Cadmus headquarters. While the League attempts damage control on the ground, Cadmus prepares for war man so this is like an interesting episode because it's kind of a filler in a lot of ways it's basically like resolving the tail pieces of the last episode of question authority while teeing up what's about to happen um but in the middle of all of that is maybe one of like the most important events that happen all the dcu which is when the fucking watchtower fires its orbital cannon on a town Yes. And of course, this being a kid's cartoon, the Cadmus facility has been evacuated at that point because, you know, their location was uh, made aware to the League. So, of course, no one dies. But it is substantial In, in the vicinity, no one dies. But yeah. that is a bomb that goes off. Yeah. The whole town is, is not eradicated, but, like, you see the recoil. Oh, yeah. I mean... Branch out across miles. And they use nuclear detonation imagery when the the cannon goes off you see the mushroom cloud balloon out and then when the aerial view is at least going in to rescue like yeah you see like the the crater ripples out in rings across the city and like again like it's only through kids cartoon logic that anyone didn't die in this because like people clearly would have died in this because it's it's the same as like a low yield nuclear bomb going off in the middle of a city yeah it's, and it's even just nuts. the like the the shots before it hits they have a, a long it's probably a good minute sequence of just following random townspeople around there's no music overlay it's just yeah. the sound effects and then walking yeah and then looking up and seeing this bright light in the sky that just envelops them yeah they're, they're setting up the idea like it's just a normal day in this town totally normal fucking day until this laser shoots from the sky mm-hmm. so kind of leading up to that event itself so as they're escaping um Captain Adam is using red sun radiation to really go toe to toe with Superman. But of course at the end of the day, like Superman still bests him so he can get uh, Huntress out of there. What's interesting is once he does defeat Captain Adam, Cadmus runs in to rescue him. And he's like, stop. He's justice league. Don't you dare touch him. And he takes Captain Adam to go like help him recover up at the watchtower, which feels very military. I don't it know. Does. How he For me, that felt very like, He's Marines. He's he, with us. He's pulling rank. Yeah. Essentially. He doesn't have a rank to pull, but he's essentially doing the same thing of like, nope, he's ours. Yeah. This this Superman we get in these two episodes, and they even call it out when when they get up to the watchtower. It's like, do I look like Batman? And Flash is like, well, yeah, you're, 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 you've got a very strong scowl. Yeah. You're acting just like him these days. But to your, to your point from the our previous episode, like, 
again, Huntress is the one who like just doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like she she when she gets onto the comms to get teleported out of there, Jean's like, uh, you're no longer just the least member. She's like, shut up. Yeah, hey, shut shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut Beam up. us up right now. Teleport us out of here. Right the fuck now. And then even when the question is um like recovering up at the watchtower, Superman comes in, asks questions, and Huntress is like, Okay, fine, five minutes and walks out the door. Like she it's she has no qualms whatsoever about telling him exactly how it's going to go, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about uh, the question's true face reveal? Uh, was unaffected. Yeah, it, he, he doesn't. He looks pretty generic. Yeah. He just has uh, a little a little spray to remove his pseudoderm, which also somehow changes the color of his hair. Yeah, I that that one kind of shocked me. That one was kind of a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, I mean. Hunter's ain't affected. She's still in love with the guy. Yeah, she's very, very sweet. It's it's the um, it's the Ready Player One effect for me. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember the controversy, Ready Player One. Yes, is, I do. Uh, I don't remember the girl's name anymore. Uh, Olivia Cook playing Artemis. Artemis, thank you. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, in book, Artemis is supposed to be like horribly scarred, have yeah. like a horrible birthmark across her face, and then Olivia Cook basically just had like a little bit of blush on the left side of her cheek. Like a mole. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And it's it's question being like, oh, you know, you said I'm the ugliest man on the on, on the planet. Like you now you're you're no, pretty, you're, you're you know still pretty above average. So you're, you're still pretty handsome. <laughs> yeah. And you're fit. Yep. I mean you're you're kinda of cuckoo for cocoa puffs, but I still might. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's not a bag situation, it's a duct tape situation. You know, keep the mouth closed. <laughs> That's fair fair. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, at this point, like, both sides are kind of, like, taking a pause to see what's going to happen here. So Waller is evacuating Cadmus. Um, Superman's like, we're going to go down there and stop them. And it's Green Arrow who's like, you guys need to stop and think about this because you guys scare me right now. And if you're scaring me, you're scaring everybody else. And going down there and destroying Cadmus and then just dealing with the fallout of that is not a good plan. And he's right. Yeah. He's absolutely right. And it's while they're having that debate that Luther is able to, like, remote activate the cannon and fire. And, like, even that sequence is really insane when they realize what's happening and they're trying everything they can to stop it. Like, Jean is, like, phasing through consoles, pulling wires, trying to make it stop. Even the point of Superman, like, literally just, like, flying out the side of the watchtower and flying through space to try and, like, go down either. Yeah, what's he going to try? What's he doing? I don't know if he's going to try and maybe, like, knock the watchtower out of out, like yeah off kilter I, I, I could imagine that yeah either i think he was gonna either try and knock it out of the way or just literally get in front of the beam and take the brunt of it and then let the rest of the energy disperse possibly yeah but I, he get knocked out from just the recoil yeah i mean it, it that may have killed him but also like that's not super surprising that in that moment superman would make potentially that sort of like sacrifice play but I think he's just so desperate. He's like, I'm just going to do whatever the hell I can. Like, yeah. the only thing he knows to do in that moment is just to use his strength. Yeah. He, he's going to get in the way can. of things. That is something we, we didn't really talk about from the last episode, mm. which was so fun, is when, Hunt, when Huntress and Superman first break into the facility. And Superman is oh, yeah. just, like, floats in, stalls for a second, takes all the bullets, melts the guns. All the guys jump on top of him. And he just shakes them off. He's like, all right, you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. He just flexes and they all go flying. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, so good. It's pretty fun. Uh, oh, uh, we learn Martian Manhunter is uh, code 004. Uh, yes, I did write that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still missing 002 and 001. 
Yeah, so I think we, we just know Batman. No, we do, do we even know Batman? No, we don't. We just we know, know Wonder Woman. We just know Wonder Woman and Martian Hunter. Manhunter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Batman's still number one. You think GL's number two now? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine he'd let Superman be number two. No way. Just ego, ego alone. <laughs> just the fuck with Superman. He wouldn't let it do it. Um, but yeah, like once once the the thing goes off, once the cannon goes off, like everyone's still debating like what do we do here? Like the flash is the one It's like, we got to go down and help no matter what. Like, even if it looks bad that we fired it, it looks worse if we don't go and help. And obviously whenever they fire the cannon, the watchtower like goes into like limp mode basically. So they have to like manually open up the airlock doors to get the rescue craft out of there. Um, and as they're flying in they're they're just talking about the aftermath. And green arrow has a great line, which is like, it's still our gun. Mm-hmm. Like if we didn't have it, no one could have pulled the trigger, even if we didn't do it. Yeah, and and this is where I get a lot of the the Cold War Vietnam War. Mm, like, yeah, and he even makes a point of like I've always been strong left. Yeah, he's like and I see a lot of problems here. Yeah, he's like, um, like I'm a big old lefty. I think the government should do for the people what the people can't do for themselves. But like, you guys are going too far, and the government's having to do what they think is necessary. Because mm-hmm. Supergirl even asks, like, what do you want the government to have? Like an army of justly deterrence? He's like, well, no. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah, because to his point, like, there is nothing that can stop Superman. No. Like, you know, he, he doesn't know Batman's plans. Right. Uh, but, yeah, from his perspective and from every mortal perspective, there's nothing that can stop them. No. And especially now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so big. Their power sets are so diverse. I mean, like, I guess Amazo came the closest, but he is essentially a god like even more so than superman because he has all of superman's powers yeah plus everyone else's with too. no weaknesses uh no he has their weaknesses oh does he Isn't no he? I, only parasite gets their weaknesses no he's still vulnerable to kryptonite amazo then why didn't they just use kryptonite maybe he's not anymore At least i don't in, think he is in, in tabula rasa he was but maybe okay. he he then programmed himself to not be i mean it would make sense he has the ability to yeah or i guess he could just probably turn himself lead-lined at that point and be fine oh that's true yeah, so he might be able to do that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of lines here. Like I, I think um, I honestly, maybe like the, the Flash, the Flash or GL or Green Arrow says like it's just too much power for anyone to have, mm-hmm. and it's true. And the, and they're helping with the rescue mission, and then someone points out like, well, but why did you guys fire us on them? Like fire on us? You guys did this, and it's the point where a bunch of people are like, you know, what? I'm gonna take my chances in this literally destroyed city rather than go with you to whatever shelter you're gonna take us to. Because I don't trust you anymore. Yeah, they they make a point of Flash interacting with the people and everyone yeah. else through this whole sequence. Again, there's very little music. No one is happy. Like even seeing the league, very few people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's Booster Gold!" You know, because no one would cheer for Booster Gold. Yeah, um, even Booster Gold's being silent. Yeah, yeah, and not smiling, like not happy about any no. of it. Uh, and then you have the moment where the the little girl is worried about her cat, and yeah. Flash is like, "Oh, don't worry." That's what the Justice League's here for. We're here to help the little man. Yeah. We're always here for the people. And the guy, <laughs> you know, the dad is like, you know, I'm really thankful for you. Uh, you see it on the, you see it on TV. We never thought it would happen to us. You know, how big is that right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then, yeah, the mob mentality immediately kicks in. Of One person stands up. He's like, no, why'd you guys do this to us? You did this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. And I think it's really smart that they put the Flash at the front of all of this because, you know, from the Justice Lords episode, he's the self kind of self-proclaimed heart of the league. Like without him, the league went to a much darker place. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, he is 
a meta, he has powers, but he's not quite on the level of the other heroes. At least he, he never pushes his powers to that point of being even close to the rest of them. But he's also like the closest thing they had to an everyman in the original league. And that's including Batman, who is the only person without powers there, but is the furthest thing from an everyman. Yeah, I didn't think about that would be why Flash was at the front of this. Like that that's really smart. Yeah, because he he's the like he, he's the one who's like, this actually is like really, really messed up. Like he's gonna be the one who kinda like has his feet in both camps a little bit. And again, like really smart writing, all focused around character and like this episode in particular like has one big plot point with like, a cannon firing but the rest of it's just again like kind of resolution set up and and just character focus like these characters having like a very real debate about how much power they should have and how they're wielding it and if they're being irresponsible yeah and it's it's truly a concept that superman and supergirl can't understand yeah like they they don't understand what it feels like to have someone more powerful than them right they are like that's never crossed them before yeah they've never had to worry about it nor have they ever had to worry about someone abusing their power i mean obviously it's happened with with superman when he was brainwashed by dark side and it's even happened now with supergirl to some degree she was cloned mm-hmm. right so like their powers alone have been perverted in some ways but it's like the responsibility to control that power is always in their hands so they have a hard time realizing what happens when that power has gotten so big that it's in no one's hands yeah anymore and it's like just the existence of a league of this scale and power is dangerous and irresponsible it's the whole point of cadmus like when it was the seven of you it was one thing but when it's what 50 some odd of you like what chance would anyone else have against you yeah there, I, I mean i don't think there is i mean, I mean try to think i mean so mazo aside because mazo is kind of this weird this weird outlier like do you can you recall a single villain from the rest of the DCAU that could actually go toe to toe with the entire league. I mean, that's what doomsday was built for. Yeah. And even then he couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, fucking loser. Right. Yeah. I mean like, <laughs> you know, uh, I, even dark side, I don't think even dark side with his armies, I think this league could take him down. Have we had the paper town speech yet? I always forget. That is in, I believe the episode is called destroyer. That's in the very last episode. Okay. Of the series. Cause Superman has a similar ish speech in this justice league season two premiere twilight. When he's like, I finally get to un- like unleash. He does yeah. say something along those lines, but the paper town speech specifically is in the very, very final episode of the series. And I think, you know, having that foresight coming ahead of us, I think that plays an important role in Superman's logic is he's never shown his true strength to the world. Oh, yeah. So in his mind, there's like, there's no way there's something that he can't beat. And, you know, he is the Boy Scout or was the Boy Scout. And it, yeah, it's the the conversations here. You called a fill, you called it a, a kind of a filler episode at the top. Or has, has inklings of a filler episode. Yeah. But I think it, it's so important to get everyone's perspective here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a fill in the sense of it's it's a waste. It's a fill in the sense of, like, it's moving forward the, the plot to some degree, I suppose, yeah. in that sense of a filler. But, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's probably one of the most important episodes because, to your point, it's everyone's perspective on what's going down. Like, it's actually finally coming to a head. And now no one can really hold back with their opinion because the stakes are this high. Yeah. And, and as you brought up in, in the talking about the last episode this is when we see it is this is superman's team versus luther's team because before yeah. it's it's we always saw it as batman versus waller yeah but it's very important that we don't see really either we barely yeah. see waller in this yeah they're, they're pushed the sidelines yeah yeah and it's it's really it's just kind of boiled down to those two against each other which mm-hmm. is 
brilliant. But speaking of Batman and Waller, yeah. this was a small small thing, which uh-huh. I really appreciated. Do you think Batman installed the presidential line after he saw that Waller had a presidential line? Oh, totally. Of course he did. He absolutely did. Yeah. Man's got such an ego. Yeah. Same color and everything. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably the same phone. He just stole it from her. Probably just did. He just swooped there and took it. Yeah. She won't be missing this. Ha <laughs> ha. He definitely did. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. It's really good. But yeah, like this episode ends then with the league, like wondering, like, what do we do now? And then on Waller's team, they're like, what do we do? Do we act? She's like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. We're gonna take some action. So she goes and we see the Galatea is pretty much fully recovered, mm-hmm. ready to fight. She's like, okay, you're gonna need an army here. And so she opens up a vault and we see the Ultimen. And then we see that, there are lots of Ultimen. Yes. They have cloned them endlessly. And it's just literally a massive warehouse full of Ultimen clones teeing up what is going to be a massive fight of Galate and the Ultimen versus the entire Justice League. Yeah. Ah! Don't worry. Wildcat's going to come and save the Wildcat's day. Wildcat's going to come in there and save the day. Wildcat, Shining Knight, and Vigilante. Mm-hmm. Yep, they it's got finally, it. It's finally their moment. They got it covered. Uh, I mean, these, these are, I think some of the best episodes we've we, had like we try and be a jokey podcast and it's hard to make jokes about these two episodes because they're, they're so good and that's that they're just again I, I cannot stop emphasizing just how good the writing is on this and like this team this creative team really knows what the fuck they're doing and you know i mean it's worth it's worth actually acknowledging like the creatives involved on this one so like uh question authority make sure I get this right here, was written by Dwayne McDuffie and directed by Dan Reba. And then Flashpoint was, again, written by Dwayne McDuffie and directed by uh, your boy, Joaquin Santos. Ah, oh, Joaquin. So, yeah, I mean, th- this is like the, the biggest guns the writing staff has, the producers have, are, are out here in full force making this. And it's just, it's so yeah right. uh, Do you, you you know those movies like those moments when you're watching movies and you have the it, it finally gets to a calm point and you realize you've been holding your breath for like two minutes yeah like that's how i felt watching these episodes and i loved that yeah i feel like i haven't had that experience in a while yeah it's yeah you just like you just get this is one i had to like it was hard to write notes on mm-hmm. i just got so drawn into it yeah i did a lot of pausing Oh, yeah, same. I, I was constantly pausing. I, I, it took me forever to watch these episodes. So I was constantly pausing and taking notes on them. But they're, oh, they're so good. And then, yeah, I mean, this this sets us up for, like, the big climactic finale of Cadmus um, in the the next two episodes, which is just, just going to be awesome. So, um, And it's basically the finale. Yeah, because an epilogue is an epilogue. It's, it's yeah. you know, just tying up some loose threads. But essentially, the Cadmus arc will be done at that point. So we just have one more week of Cadmus. Mm. One more. Dang, so close. There's so much stuff left. I know, there's so much left. Uh, any other thoughts on Flashpoint here? Do you think the question can put on different faces? Or is it just the no face? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Pseudoderm. Do you think that is a fetish of Huntress? Or him? Fetishes are things you you discover as you go. So she yes. may have discovered that about herself. There was uh I know we don't we don't usually I feel like he's kind of dropped out of the the social zeitgeist, but uh Chris Hardwick had mm-hmm. a great uh joke when he was still doing comedy specials mm-hmm. about how fetishes are just sexual landmines. Yeah. You don't know when you're going to hit it, but you're going to fucking hit it one day like shit. 
Yep. I like feet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it all falls into the uh, try everything thrice philosophy that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, try it once to try it. A second time to verify your opinion. And a third time because you're into it now. There you go. Yep. <laughs> so, And it's worth noting that they have been dating, Huntress and Questionment, dating for a while. And she had not actually yet seen his face. Yeah. So he was wearing the mask the entire time. The entire time. I don't blame them, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, why not? Have some fun. It's mysterious. Well, I don't know why I said it that way. Mysterious? Mysterious. Yes, Cameron, it's very mysterious. Yes. (laughs) Could we do in the mysterious machine? Exactly. All right. Shall we uh, launch into some bat plugs here and wrap this up? Let's do it. All right. uh, What do you got this week? Uh, It's been on my list for a while, uh, but I finally watched Over the Garden Wall. Uh, What's that? It's an animated, it's a short animated series from 2014, 2015-ish. I always got it mixed up with... um, Over the Hedge, the animated movie featuring a bunch of animals? Not that one. Oh. Over the Garden Wall. Is that what you got it mixed up with? Over the Hedge? No, no, no. Uh, It started around the same time as Gravity Falls. Both of them deal with like paranormal... Activity. Oh, okay. I've I've seen I've seen some of this before. Yeah, it it oh. has a huge following. It's only ten episodes, uh, and they're pretty short. They're it's very digestible. So mm-hmm. last night a friend came over and we just watched all ten episodes back to back. Okay. Uh, and while the story I think is okay, the world they're able to build in those ten episodes is so unique oh. and so vast. Interesting. Like I, if anyone needs like a crash course on how to expand a world without like going into too much fluff. Mm-hmm. I think this series is the perfect like source material. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Just, and I, I'm assuming they're, they're short. They're like probably sub 30 minutes each. Oh yeah. I think they're uh, like 20 minutes each. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's really, you follow uh, these two brothers who get lost in the woods uh, trying to get back, trying to get back home mm-hmm. is, is the very basic oh, okay. start. Hmm. And you have so many questions at the start. The the older brother, voiced by Elijah Wood, uh, is dressed as like a garden gnome kind of thing. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. And the younger brother has a teacup on his head. On his head, yeah. And so bizarre. Like, none of those, like, you never get the question answered until like the last episode of like, why are they dressed like this? <laughs> like, what is this weird world? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I won't, I won't go into any detail because I think it is something you do need to kind of uncover and roll out for yourself because it, it is very it, it is very unique i mean i'm looking at the uh the voice cast here so beyond elijah wood you get um melanie linsky who, who's fantastic christopher lloyd yep he's great john cleese yep oh um, that was a that one was a turn for me because that's don't say who that is okay i want to hear that who, is who don't, who uh, don't know going in yet tim curry bb newworth holy shit chris isaac oh, hey i love chris isaac yeah he's not enough stuff no. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Chris Isaac was like a singer and primarily popular in like the 90s, early 2000s. Um, uh, like his most famous songs, like Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing or um, uh, I'm blanking on the other one, but he's in something else that I really like. I don't, I don't remember what it is right he now. He has a cameo appearance in That Thing You Do. A oh, Wicked Game. Wicked Game is probably the other song that he's most famous for. Okay. Um, he has a cameo appearance in Friends. And an uh-huh. episode is like a, a love interest for Phoebe. Oh, he's got a great face. He's got, he's super handsome. It's it's very uh, like 1960s handsome. Yeah, and th- that's kind of his his vibe too. He like um 
he he toured with Roy Orbison when he was first starting out. It's like a, an opener for Roy Orbison. Super talented musician. Like one of the few musicians I'll actually just listen to his just his albums alone and not as oh, part wow. of the playlist. But um, yeah, that's fun to see him in there as additional voices. Oh, good on you, Chris Isaac. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I guess I'll mention Squid Games because fucking everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to do a deep dive. I feel like it's we're at the point where it's kind of been talked to death. I I watched it all too. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I think if I didn't have to watch it for work, I don't know if I would have watched it. That's fair. I I feel very similar where everyone in my office had watched it and I feel like I it was almost required viewing. Yeah. I I think it's very interesting that it's become the most popular show on Netflix ever. Mm-hmm. I think that is really groundbreaking in a constructive way. Like I, I, I saw someone tweet recently and it's like um, squid game has become the number one show on Netflix ever. This is just absolutely proof that you don't need to have a white lead. That's a great point to have something like do well, or you can have like a foreign language film and people will still watch it. Like it disproves a lot of like, bullshit assumptions and excuses that are used in our industry to like not make things, Mm -hmm. which is great in its own regards. And it is really well made. It's just like, it's not quite my cup of tea. That's fair. Um, It's not usually for me either. Yeah. Cause it's very gory. It's pretty violent, but it's, you know, it's a game. So I have to watch it. Yeah. No, of course. It's a game show. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a game show. I mean, this was already going to be my, one of my plugs for a different reason. Okay. But if you do want to hear a really good conversation about Squid Game, go check out X-Ray Vision. Oh, which one? <laughs> my podcast, my job. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was With, uh, Jason Concepcion, that one? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, he... Of Binge Mode? Uh, yes, of formerly of Binge Mode. He and a, a co-host, Rosie Knight, they have a really good conversation around um, Squid Game. is worth checking out if you've seen all of it. I was also going to plug it, too, because I have a guest appearance in that episode <gasps> uh, talking about No Time to Die, which is... Ah! Not going to be one of our plugs this week because Cameron has not yet seen it. We're literally leaving after this to go watch it together. Yes, we are. That's why we're talking so fast. <laughs> yes. So we will cover that next week because we're good because it'll have a little more of a runway for people to go and see it. Um, but yeah, I, I jumped in for like a 10 minute segment to talk about what makes that film um, unique amongst the broader Bond canon to talk about some of like the key references that are in the film to other Bond films. Uh, and then to talk a little bit about what this movie sets up for potential future versions of Bond, which we, of course, always going to get um, because, as the movie always says, James Bond will return. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, go check out that episode if you want to learn a little bit more about Bond. How did it feel to have, like, a competent podcast person? <laughs> it. I always love getting a chance to guest on another show because I don't have to run it. Mm-hmm. This is a weird situation where, like, I was running it from the background while also being on it. That is true. But only for, like, 10 minutes, so it was really easy. And it was it was a really, really fun um, conversation. It was super fun to be a part of, I have to I have to admit. That's very... I'm very excited for you. Yeah, it was it was really, really cool. Um, but one of my other plugs uh, is our friends over at the, the Watchtower database are... have just put out a video talking about James Bond references across the DCAU. Ooh. So primarily led by James Trekker, but he had me come on and do uh, 
a cameo appearance to talk about some of those references as well. So if you've only ever heard my voice, you can actually see me on oh. camera. Oh, it's video. It's video on camera in a full suit. Uh, in, in my stage. Oh, I we're supposed to wear suits to James Bond tonight. We're not going to wear suits. It's too bloody hot. I know, but I should have I should have done the bit. I mean, I can still wear a suit. You can still wear a suit. I, still, I have plenty of them. In I, fact. I, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast. My super quick tangent. I bought a gift for you and yeah. Shane, other Bond <laughs> aficionado, Shane Tully, friend of the podcast, <laughs> two years ago for when No Time to Die was first supposed, first supposed to come out, November 2019. Yeah. And it's been sitting in my desk for two years. And I've been telling myself every day since then, you're going to forget when you finally go see Bond. Yeah. And today's the day. Today's the day. And I forgot the gift. We can go get it. We have a little <laughs> bit of time. We can, we can go get it. We'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but yeah, so you can see me on video in a full suit in my very staged living room. Uh, <laughs> Lovely. I restaged all of it so it looked much better on camera. Okay. Did you move the, the shirts? I, I did not move my James Bonding oh. uh, framed t-shirts into the other room. I guess it would be a conflict. No, I, no it's not a dip- conflict of podcasts no it's, it's the not. visual one yeah yeah but you can you, you you'll see it when you walk in there you can go look and see what i put in there to kind of change it. i've changed it up a little bit but i put a lot of bond stuff out there a lot of bond a lot of batman stuff it okay was, yeah i see your casino royale poster is still in here i haven't hung it up yet yeah so i haven't gotten the quantum of solace poster that's supposed to accompany it framed yet ah i gotta that do that sense. at some point that was my 30th birthday present for my parents two years ago <laughs> Um, but yeah, so go, uh, yeah. If you want to hear me talk more about bond, you don't want to wait until next week when we talk about it on this show where you talk about it on this show, where I talk about it on this show, where Cameron graciously opens up the floor for approximately 45 minutes for me to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I yes. just leave. <laughs> yeah. You, you can hear me for 10 minutes on x-ray vision and then you can, uh, hear me for a few minutes on the, uh, see me for a few minutes on the, the, the video, um, which is worth checking out. And those, where of course, can you find that video on the watch on YouTube, on the watchtower okay. database, uh, YouTube channel. Um, and then the one other plug I have, which I mentioned at the top of the show, is I watched parts one and two of the Long Halloween adaptation. They are both on HBO Max. Uh, yes, I just noticed that as I was watching the episodes today. Yeah, uh, it's great. Both Good. parts are great. Good. I mean, I, I have said this repeatedly that I think the Long Halloween is the best Batman comic ever written, and I will gladly fight anyone who wants it, to argue with me read on it, that. And I enjoyed it. It's it's it is bloody excellent. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the adaptation. I thought it definitely, um, did justice to the comic. I, I mean, there's a part of me that's a little bit disappointed they didn't keep the very specific Tim Sale aesthetic. They kind of go for a more modern aesthetic to the whole thing, but mm-hmm. it still looks gorgeous. Um, it's really well written. I think it, it does take a few small liberties here and there to kind of change things. And I say kind of like streamline them and simplify them. Um, but never never at the expense of the adaptation, excuse me, adaptation. Um, without giving too much away, I think we talked a little bit about the, the hushed adaptation at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was mostly pretty good, but I think some of the changes might've been a bit too far. Yeah. Without giving anything away, I don't, this, I didn't feel the way coming out of this one. I didn't feel like the changes good. they made were like gratuitous, but enough was changed a little bit to make me wonder like, Oh, what are they maybe going to do? That's a little bit different. Um, that's yeah. great. And like, the, I feel like it's been a minute since we've, since we've, since you've really enjoyed a DC animated film. Yeah. I mean, I, I really liked, um, I have a lower bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed both. Uh, I really enjoyed the death of Superman. I thought reign of Superman yeah. was, was pretty good as well. And it's worth noting that, um, uh, Tim Sheridan wrote that as well as this. He's okay. a really great comics writer as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Really great. Um, performances in it as well. 
Um, Jensen Ackles, who voiced Red Hood in Our Baby, Under the Red Hood, yep. voices Batman in this, does a really good job. Amazing. Uh, Josh Dumel voices... <gasps> We love Josh Duhamel. We loved uh, some Josh Duhamel. He voices Harvey Dent, and you're like, wow, he would have made a really good oh, live action he Harvey made Dent, a good Harvey Dent in a different universe. Um, yeah, so it's it's a really, I was really really impressed with it. I think if you love that comic, it's worth watching. And like I said, it, it made me go back and like reread a bunch of those Batman comics, and now like rewatching Batman Begins and stuff like that. And I I, I think it's really really solid. So did Josh Duhamel ever win Sexiest Man? I don't think I so. I don't know, but if he didn't, that's a goddamn shame. It really is. He's so sexy. He, yeah, he's Hollywood's hot man. He really is. He's still so, so handsome. Yeah. He's a great dad in uh, Love, Simon. He is. Yeah. Oh. He's so sweet. Dilf! <laughs> Had to be said. Um, but yeah, so that's it for uh, for plugs this week, and that's it for the podcast this week. We actually kept it pretty tight, despite the long news segment we up top. We had no breaks. Which is surprising. <laughs> so... Uh, but thank you for joining us. As always, we will be back uh, with our next episode to cover Panic in the Sky and Divided We Fall, the uh, the end of the Cadmus arc here. And uh, probably, let's, if we're being honest, the end of the best part of the entire DCAU. Yeah. So that is not to say there is not great things to come after that. And yes, we are closing in our 200th episode. I still have no idea what we're going to do for that, but we'll do something for that, I suppose. Maybe something. We'll do something. Maybe I bought a gift two years ago, and maybe, maybe I'll remember to bring it. <laughs> you will remember to bring it then. <laughs> Uh, but until then, if you want to reach us, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes, you can yes. find me at Lordifer. You can see my art at Cameron.exter, and you can see my face at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Boom, boom, boom. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We will see you next time. Next week. Uh, bye. Bye. Damn it, I thought I had it. Nice. Yep. You did it.